You're listening to the Grow Further podcast, dedicated to helping you on your journey to get from where you are now to where you want to be. I'm Christy. I'm Ellie. And we are your hosts. Grow further with us starting now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Grow Further podcast. This is Chris. So excited that you came back for part two with Bonnie St. John. And look, if you did not listen to part one, totally okay. I'll give a very quick introduction to Bonnie, but the full introduction will definitely be in part one. Here it is. Bonnie St. John is one of the five most inspiring women in America. If that does not get you excited to learn more about resilience and tips to help us overcome adversity, hey, I don't know what would. So hey, enjoy part two with Bonnie St. John. We're grateful you're here. Welcome back, Bonnie, for part two. It's so nice to have you again. I love it that we're going to be able to give people even more practical resilience tips. Which I love the word practical because that's one of the things about resilience that can be really complicated is people hear resilience and they immediately think recovering from setback. And that can sound so abstract. And what I love about your word practical and about your book, Micro Resilience, is that there's these... 21 hacks in your book around micro resilience that are practical that anyone can do. And I know that we are going to spend some time diving into a few of those. I just want to say it's it's called micro resilience because it's small. It's yes. small things that you can do in the middle of a busy day. It's not asking you to up, you know, change your whole life or reorganize everything. It's little tiny things that make a big difference. Anyway, so right. sorry. what have we got to do before we get into that? Yeah, uh, well, I would love to hear from you and your definition of resilience versus micro resilience. But you coined the term micro resilience, correct? Right. Well, the the research at, at University of Pennsylvania that you were looking at Seligman's research, and I've, I've met Seligman and I've read you know his stuff. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love 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 that. But a lot of it was about you know how do you get resilience on a bigger scale? You know, and you've got to get more sleep, and you've got to take vitamins and exercise, and you know all these things you've got to do to change your life. And we got really interested in what are things you can do quickly, you know, in a couple of minutes during the day that can help you be more resilient immediately. Not things that you have to do, you know, for a month before they really pay off, but things that pay off immediately. And there's a lot of research out there that we tapped into on that. So, and and both things are good. You know, the macro, what we we call uh, macro resilience, the bigger things. And if you are, if you're doing micro resilience, if you're doing the tiny, small things, it gives you more ability to be able to do the big things, right? right. And if you're doing the big things, it'll give you more uh, foundation to do the little things too. So they, they complement each other, but they are different. What are some of these hacks that whoever's listening, mothers, fathers, leaders, um, colleagues of CVS Health and those that, you know, are not colleagues of CVS Health, but just people that are out there trying to grow a little bit further in their lives. That's what the whole point of this podcast is. Things as simple as drinking water throughout the day, keep your brain much more hydrated. What happens is your brain uh, suffers from dehydration quicker than the rest of your body. So if you drink water on a more regular basis, you'll notice you, you remember things better. You can solve problems better. Your, your whole brain function is going to be a lot better. And then it's a, a related one is also keeping your blood sugar more even. So you want to stay hydrated, but you also want to make sure you're not having big swings in uh, your blood sugar. And so 
eating, you know, throughout the day, having little snacks, um, not eating things that spike your glucose. So eating a lot of sugar is going to uh, throw you off. But if you eat things like protein, things that stabilize you, uh, mm. as opposed to throwing you up and down with your blood sugar. Right. I was thinking about like nuts. And there's another hack, Bonnie, that I want to dive into, which is the first aid kit for your attitude. Can we talk about that a little bit? Like, I know that you have a TED talk. We're going to include the link in the show notes for sure. But I'd love to explore that with you because I've started incorporating the first aid kit for your attitude. And I love it because our mood impacts so much about our day. This is such a simple concept. Even kids get it is, you know, you have a uh, you have band-aids for when you get an owie. So when you get an owie for your attitude, you know, what can you do to make it feel better? And uh, even kids get this. And so I've done, I was in an after-school program for fifth graders. And we talked about how to make a first aid kit for your attitude. And they got it. You know, it was like, I put in pictures of my family or uh, I put in cute barrettes that I like in my hair. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> I love that. Things that make you feel better. And, uh, what I, what I do, what I have learned over time is don't necessarily just put it all on your desk because you stop seeing it. You know, you put pictures of your family on your desk, you stop seeing them after a while. But if you have a first aid kit that you keep in a drawer or in a box, when you're having a bad day or, or a bad afternoon or something, you can open the box and it has more power if you're not looking at it all the time. Does that make sense? Uh, totally. Let me say something else about doing this with your family or doing this with your team at work. It is so powerful because often when we do need first aid for our attitude, we're the last person to know it, uh, right? And when you do need first aid for your, for your attitude, you may not have the energy to, to do it, right? So if you have enlisted your team at work or your family, often somebody else will say, you know what, I think you need first aid for your attitude right now. And they can give you something. They can give you a picture. They can give you a snack. They can give you, you know, something that's going to help you uh, turn around your attitude. So doing this with your team at work or with your family is really powerful because we can help each other to apply first aid for our attitude. It, the more that people have this language, a first aid kit for your attitude, the more that they know what to look for in you. Right. You're right. If you've shared what's in your kit, they might be able to remind you to get out that thing. Or maybe even if you have, um, I don't know, with your team, maybe you have a photo album that you share. And it's like you just oh. send them that picture, right? Something like that. This is something I do with my team is really we have shared photo album on the phone. And people, we call it our joy kit, the photo album. We call our joy kit. And so people post things like, uh, their kids going back to school on the first day or a holiday meal or, you know, and it's the best. I love seeing what my team is doing that is joyful to them. And, you know, how else would I see it since we're not we 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 are we work virtually, you know, we're not even in the same office. So I love having this shared joy kit and uh, it brings me joy. One of the things that we don't talk enough about is it's not just about thinking about the positive things. I think that there's a lot of people out there that have this false sense right. of resilience that it's just about thinking positive all the time. And that's not it. There's actual science to the, net, the need to have positive emotions in our life. It's, it's so important to incorporate balance. It's not about always experiencing positive emotion, but if we want closeness, if we want to be focused, if we want to be at our best, 
being stressed and focused on things in our environment that we don't like or that stress us out is not necessarily going to ensure that we're at our healthiest and that we're at our best. Right. And like you said, it's not that we can be joyful 100% of the time. Like, I'm just happy, 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 positive, positive, you know, and people mock that because it's impossible. Um, But we know we're going to have ups and downs. And so it's about being prepared. You have a first aid kit because you know you might get a cut or or a bruise. And so you have band-aids, you have ointment, you know, you're ready. You don't know when it's going to happen, but you're ready. And the same thing of having a, a first aid kit for your attitude is knowing that your attitude will sometimes go south. You know, we're not perfect people. We can't be happy, happy all the time. So what can I do when I'm experiencing something that brings my attitude down? Mm-hmm. How can I spin it around? Exactly. And, and Bonnie, can I put you on the spot? What's, what's at least a couple things in your first aid kit? Well, one of the really special things in my first aid kit is a note from my mother. And my mother passed away many years ago, mm-hmm. but she had given me a note once. And she had that old fashioned penmanship. You know, her handwriting was just beautiful because they used to teach penmanship at school. They don't anymore. And uh, so true. And I'm like, what's the, cursive? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the note, the note uh, it was a little heart shaped note and it was tied to a sachet. you know, a nice smelling sachet for your drawer. And the note said, cherish yourself. And, and, you know, you could think, well, that's special. A note from your mother that says, cherish yourself tied to a nice smelling sachet. That just sounds nice in and of itself. But for me, it has even deeper meaning because my mother was somebody who struggled so much. Mm. She, um, Ah, she was really unhappy in love. Okay. Let's be honest. My mother was actually suicidal. She tried to commit suicide twice. And she she had a very uh, tough time in life. She was um, she was black. She went to segregated schools mm. when she was a kid. She used to have to walk past the beautiful school for white kids and go to the rundown school with no textbooks for black kids. And she went on. She not only did well in school, she got her Ph.D. She went all the way through to get wow. a Ph.D. and then became an educator and changed the lives of others. And then one of the most powerful moments I remember is when she was a principal of a school that was, um, (laughs) she used to say, they say it's 98% black, but I've never seen the 2%. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like, she got to go back to that little segregated school and turn it around and make a difference. Wow. And so she just uh, was such a powerful example of, of, you know, having a positive attitude despite everything. And uh, so when I when I look at that little note that says cherish yourself, uh, I it's just, you know, the fact that she could after everything she'd been through, cherish herself was was really something. You know, it's so beautiful, the story that you just shared about your mom. And I'm so grateful to hear that. Are you familiar with the term post traumatic growth? Yes, yes. Right. That's what I hear in your mother's story. It's going through a traumatic experience and growing, maybe not in that very moment, but later in life, being able to look back at that and to say, like, I'm going to change the lives of others because of what I've went through. Right. So that they don't go through that or so that I can help improve the lives of others. Would you say that your mother lived post-traumatic growth? Absolutely. But, and she continued to, 
struggle. I don't want to say struggle, but she continued. It was a good struggle, right? Mm-hmm. She continued to to make an effort to push to the positive, despite all the demons that she had inside her. And I think that's part of what inspired me to do what I do is that I saw that she struggled and she won that struggle. You can choose to fight for the positive. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, post-traumatic growth is you can, you can invest and reap a harvest from your efforts to, to uh, build positivity in yourself and others. You know, Bonnie, you said so many beautiful things in part one and now part two. I want to encourage everybody, don't feel like you have to do everything. Try one thing. Put it on your calendar to remind yourself two weeks from now when, when you aren't thinking about this podcast to, to uh, try some things. And I would love to hear from people too. So you can reach me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on uh, Twitter. Uh, you know, you can reach out to me and uh, I'd love to hear like, did this help you? What did you try? Uh, even if you have questions. Yes, please reach out to Bonnie. And that was actually my very last fire round question, Bonnie, because I know that we're like, we've got to wrap up. And I just am so grateful for this time with you, Bonnie. Seriously, it, it means the world to me. And this is a conversation I'll remember for a very, very long time. And I'll be telling my daughter about it. Well, thank you. And thank you for all the good work you do to uh, to bring these practical tips to a wider audience. So uh, I really appreciate being able to be on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Grow Further podcast. If you'd like to help us grow further, please subscribe. And don't forget to let us know what you thought of today's episode. 